Hi, I'm Julie. I'm Kristen. And I'm Kate. Welcome to Season 2 of Topical Island. In every episode, we'll dive into a new topic. From the morbid to the magnificent. The heartfelt to the ridiculous. Join us as each week we take you to a different topical island. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Topical Island. I hope you're having a great day. Hello, Kristen. Hello, Kate. Kristen, what's been going on? Well, my family is currently in Edmonton. This is okay. So this is not the main part of my story because I do have something I want to show you guys. But they're sending me text messages because they're going to this greenhouse and they're very obsessed with this giant um, outdoor statue that is a life-sized Sasquatch. So wait, and what do you mean by life life size? Like (laughs) ten feet? I'll get uh, permission from my family to share this on the uh, Instagram. But I'm going to show you guys right now because my dad's standing next to it. Okay, oh, it's that's... like you could buy it to put in your garden? <laughs> yeah. So my dad, if you guys are looking at right now, my father is over six feet and he is uh, looks like a small person compared to this Sasquatch statue that apparently people can use to decorate their outdoor landscapes. Oh, um, my God. I want them to bring that home. I know. I asked if they would. I mean, I have no. I'll, I have lots of questions. The price is one of them. Yeah. Well, yes. Very <laughs> curious about the price because I'm wondering: is it one of those statues that's actually like hollow inside? You can like pick it up right. and see it's like a piece of styrofoam, like a prop. Right. Or is this like? I mean, Heavy. was it chiseled from one piece of <laughs> granite? Those are details that I would, have a lot you know, to certainly. report back on. But the other thing I wanted to share with you guys today was I was grocery shopping this morning. And I found artichokes, um, artichokes, artichoke scarpones, scarpones, and they're marinated. And I've been dying to try. And I was going to try one this morning. And then I was like, "Hey, we're recording today. Are you going to try it You're right gonna- now? <laughs> She's eating it right everyone? now, guys." <laughs> so they look yes. delightful. I think they're marinated. It looks like all. I mean, olive oil, maybe some spices. Oh, it does look. Delicious. I mm-hmm. totally want no, that. I right wish now. I had. A- yeah charcuterie board in front of me <laughs> no kidding i know you're not supposed to like chomp through a podcast but man how is it Kristen? oh she's got her eyes closed i think it's, it's good it's pickle tasting okay i'm excited like I, I don't know that i'd eat a whole jar of it but i would i'm like gonna look up recipes for like a pasta because i think oh. it would be a really Ooh. nice flavor yes mm-hmm. so yes I will continue to report back. So I'm sorry, Island Hoppers. I had a lot of things today that you couldn't see, but I will share images of both. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's that's all the excitement that's going on with me lately. Just as a sidebar, since Kristen brought up the idea of having strange and unusual statues in your yard, one of my neighbors has life-size dinosaur statues, which you can buy at Canadian Tire for a lot of money um, in their yard. <laughs> And another neighbor has two topiary dinosaurs. So it, they're like hedges shaped like dinosaurs, but they're mm. clearly plastic because through the winter months, they're still green and perfect. And they recently bought a full-sized fire engine to add to their collection in their yard. Are they going to like fill it with potted plants or what's the end game for the fire engine turn it into like an oh is it going to be like a tiki bar but like a fire engine <laughs> a fire so engine many bar. ideas. i don't know right now it's just sitting there um 
maybe to have kids play on it. I don't know. Kate, how has your week been? Well, I'm a little discombobulated. Uh, We've recently just had the daylight savings time change. And I had, so we're in the, the beginning of race season. I've started back racing in person, which has been phenomenal. And there's always a race around um, a fun, you know, festive 10K St. Paddy's Day race um, that always falls on a weekend around St. Patrick's Day. So that was today. And I was reminded yesterday when I was telling some friends um, that I was going to be running in the the race this morning and they said well don't forget about the time change and oh, I thought no. well beep I had forgotten about the time change I had no <laughs> desire to get up that much earlier and <laughs> anyway I dragged myself out of bed went down it was very festive it's always you know kind of one of those fun runs that people dress up and uh, oh, I didn't awesome. have the energy to do that this year but um so what time you know. did you have to get up to do it so here's the other thing about the time change I spend the first week mm-hmm. figuring out in my head I don't actually <laughs> what know the time <laughs> and I'm like but what's the real time versus yes. well, what time is it today so so the race was at nine real like today time Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it was actually at eight and it was it it was further away than usual so it took me I wanted to leave about an hour in advance to get there in time so I had to leave at eight which for me my body was seven so I had to get up at 6 30 which was actually 7 30 in real time and the fact that I just uh, I'm not a fan of math to begin with. And so I feel like I spend the first week of time yes. change just constantly doing math. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. What about you, Julie? I feel you. I am very tired today because I woke up at 10 to 6. My son, who's um, th- three months old, he woke up at 10 to 6, and I thought, oh, this is great. Good job sleeping, buddy. I'll get up. We'll get up, and we'll have our coffee. And then all morning, I was just so tired. And it, then I realized that's because I woke up at 10 to 5 oh. in the old time. So, mm. yeah. Or mm-hmm. what should be the time, I guess. Anyway, so Your body I'm, time. I'm, yeah. <laughs> so I'm a little tired and um, frustrated because um, – I think we had mentioned on a previous pod, like it was in a by-election that you could vote against daylight savings. Oh, right. I yeah, did. Yeah. I have also signed petitions. Um, oh, I didn't to... know what side you fell on. <laughs> I abol- I would like to abolish it entirely. It doesn't make sense. But Kate's going to correct me because of how poorly worded it was on that by-election. Yes? Yes and no. I am also all for abolishing the time change, but I was not on board with sticking with the summer time. Like if I think the time that we are currently in needs to be the one that runs year round. I I hear you. And I've heard I've heard this argument. For me, I I honestly I don't know. I, I don't even know which is which, to be frank. I just don't like the switch. And I know that, um, you know, airline industries and and things, it would be a massive undertaking for them to, if just, mm. say, Alberta, just Alberta got rid of theirs. But 
I um I just don't. But already like Saskatchewan switching. already did too. Didn't Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan doesn't never switch, had so it. I think they don't. Switch. Okay, so yeah. they could just they could just emulate whatever they do in Saskatchewan. I like for me, it's I I mean, very very. Well, you guys have family in other places. Like my boyfriend lives three hours away, so it'd be like now it's two. I don't know if it would have been two or four. <laughs> I again, I'm terrible <laughs> at that math as well, but yeah. It's that could be tricky. Like sometimes you're the same as other places, and sometimes you're not. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, de- there would be lots of things to consider, mm-hmm. but um, I agree. It's when it, the changes do happen, it is. Uh, it's brutal. It's like jet lag without the vacation. That's mm-hmm. going to be the new tagline for time change. There you go. <laughs> well, all that said, I would love to know <laughs> where Kate is taking us today. You bet, Julie, and I would love to tell you. <laughs> but before I tell you, I do have a brief soundbite. My God, look at that! Yeah, thank God she's a half a mile away. She's loaded, boys. You gotta get out of here. Full of explosives. Come on. Oh no! Don't no, get out of here, Vince. We're not gonna school. Please get these children out of here. That ship is gonna blow. No, Mr. Coleman. Hurry, hurry! You gotta get these people out of here. That ship is gonna blow. Okay, that took me a while to figure out what the heck that was. But did you catch it? It's the heritage moment about that train crash out east in like, I don't know, early 1900s? That was a heritage moment about the Halifax Harbor explosion, which happened in 1917, December 6, 1917. Oh, Julie got the early 1900s. Yeah. Yeah. I just got the vest, the type of the vehicle wrong. And I did say out east, so. You did yeah. say out east. Yeah, there were lots of pieces. Okay, there was that. lots of pieces. I, I want to, I don't know if you're going to talk about the Heritage Minutes in, in general, but I, I've always found it hilarious that you, everyone I know who's from the East Coast has those almost all memorized. And I remember them, but I don't know if you guys like <laughs> them embedded in everything, but I find that hilarious. I don't know what it is. That is, and you know, as I was doing this topic, I I did think to myself, you know, heritage moments as a in general would be great to dive into. Yeah, <laughs> because I do. I think I do. Could probably. Well, you saw me mouthing the words as you were listening to that <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> sound bite. Maybe we had less um, programming opportunities, and so they were always on the commercial. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I don't know what it was. <laughs> But today I want to talk about the Halifax Harbor explosion. It was the largest man-made explosion in history, only to be surpassed um, with the Manhattan Project when the invention of the A-bomb happened. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. So there were two ships of note. The Mont Blanc, which was a French cargo ship entering the Halifax Harbor Narrows. It was loaded with war materials, and after popping into the harbor, it was going to be bound for France. Mm. At this time, this is just some of the stuff it had on board. 
62 tons of gun cotton, which is a combustible, 250 tons of airplane fuel, 250 tons of TNT, and 23,000 tons of pyric acid, which is used to make uh, shells, which was one of the main things used in World War I. So it's basically a floating bomb. The other ship was a Norwegian ship called the IMO, which was heading out of the Narrows, and it was on its way to New York um, to load up on food and clothing, which it was then going to take to Belgium. So at that time, it didn't have any cargo, which allowed it to sit higher in the water, and apparently that made it more difficult to steer. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Interesting. As the two looked as though they might collide, the Mont Blanc uh, signaled their right-of-way with one horn blast. The IMO replied with two horn blasts, indicating that they did not agree. (laughs) Oh, oh, good to know that. Okay. (laughs) After playing chicken for a few moments, the Mont Blanc took a hard right and the IMO tried to reverse its engines, but it was too late. They collided. Sparks from the crash ignited the airplane fuel on board the Mont Blanc. 21 crew members were on board and all of them, including the captain, were able to get on a lifeboat. It took them approximately 10 minutes to get to shore, and they landed on a Mi'kmaq settlement and bolted towards the woods. All of them would survive that day. The majority of people were unaware that the Mont Blanc was, in fact, a floating bomb, and crowds started to gather and watch the ship ablaze. (gasps) Rubbernecking! Which is one of the things that they actually show in the heritage moment, is everyone's just kind of watching in awe, and one of the things that the train dispatcher says before he realizes what the ship is carrying is thank god it's a half a mile away you know it's just a fire that train dispatcher was vince coleman once he found out what was aboard the ship he knew trains were coming into the harbor and he did everything he could to warn them the last message he would ever send was quote hold up the train ammunition ship a fire in harbor making for pier six and will explode guess this will be my last message Goodbye, boys. Oh, my God. I just got chills. Whoa. Just so I understand. So the harbor, there's a ship on fire in the harbor, but he's calling trains because the trains are coming into the harbor as well. The trains will be coming into the downtown location, which is close to the harbor. And he knows that ship is about to explode. If those trains come in, it's going to mean 300 more casualties. I believe in the... um, heritage moment he says there's 700 people aboard that train which i found out is not actually correct there was only 300 people but he still ended up saving those 300 lives because he stayed and sent that message wow and he was he knew he was so close that he was in the firing zone kind of yeah oh wow Coleman's telegraph key, watch, and pen are displayed in the halifax explosion exhibit at the halifax's maritime museum of the atlantic and I am curious how they got those. Things. Yeah, didn't those explode? <laughs> yeah, but maybe. And then I was thinking, well, maybe it's from his how home. Yeah, the ones he wasn't carrying. The that ones day. he wasn't didn't have on his person right. that day. Okay. Um, but I didn't dig into that fact. Anyway, you can see them in the maritime. Well, museum we'll go to the maritime museum on our tour. So at nine oh four, the explosion happened. They coll- so they collided at eight forty five. Okay. And so it was 20 minutes the explosion happened. Nearly all structures within a half a mile radius, including the community of Richmond, were obliterated. Wow. A pressure wave 
snapped trees, bent iron rails, demolished buildings, grounded vessels, including the IMO, which was washed ashore by the ensuing tsunami, which was 18 (gasps) meters high. Ah! 18 meters. Mm -hmm. So the Mont Blanc exploded. So scattered fragments of that ship flew for kilometers. In fact, the anchor was thrown approximately three kilometers away, and one of the guns on the ship about five kilometers away. And today they are still in those places with a memorial to the explosion. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Hi, Nicholas. Hi, they say hi. Everybody already knows about the Halifax explosion. <laughs> no, we are not. We d- Tell them that, no, because we weren't indoctrinated with the heritage moments in the same way. <laughs> That's the name of this episode. Everybody already knows. <laughs> yeah. The massive explosion killed more than 1,800 people and injured another 9,000. Wow. Uh, the shockwave shattered windows 50 miles away, and the sound of the explosion could be heard 100 miles away. So because of the shattered glass and flying debris, one in 50 people in Halifax suffered serious eye damage. Doctors oh and nurses removed or treated damaged eyes of the hundreds for people weeks after the blast. The mass blinding helped birth the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. And the disaster led to fundamental changes. Wow. Now, did they say, now, was it the actual flash or was it the pressure? It was the debris. Oh. Mainly glass. Oh, wow. Just like flying all around the place. Just, so, yeah. Did the people, so the people watching, did like, I'm assuming that probably happened to a lot of the people watching. I feel like they're all dead. I think they would probably have been obliterated. Oh. It, it was for 50 miles that windows were shattering. Right, right. So oh my God. Oh, it God. was such a huge span of area that you could be hit by debris. You could be in your house with your window shattered? Yeah. Jane Beaumont of the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, who is a volunteer archivist, said in a CBC interview, it was a big enough event that it compelled people who cared and government to take notice that we had needs of people with vision loss. And so, yeah, unfortunately, maybe a positive that came out of this horrific disaster. Wow. Was, Was there one ship that was supposed to have the right of way in that situation? Not to blame at this point. It's hard to say. I mean, people, yeah, people want to blame someone, and we'll, we'll get to that. Oh, okay, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> so also in another CBC interview with one of the survivors of the explosion, um, the interview took place on the 50th anniversary of the disaster. A man describes how so many of him and his peers were peppered with glass. Um, they would find pieces in their skin years after the fact so you would have like an itch and you would realize that it was actually a piece of glass that had migrated to the top of your skin wow that's crazy like i I also wonder i know there's obviously the initial aftermath those who are blind and then like what if you got an infection from the glass and didn't treat Mm -hmm. it like there could have been all kinds of other Mm -hmm. um, sort of incidental incidental deaths really yeah, Eventually. no, very far-reaching beyond just the just the, the devastation of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, once the dust settles, quite literally, uh, people wanted answers. So, Kristen, who do we blame? Some believed that the explosion was the work of German secret service. 
Um, the Norwegian captain of the IMO was briefly suspected of being a saboteur enlisted by the Germans to cause the oh. explosion. But that didn't hold any water, mm. so he wasn't held on that. The hostility and demand from the public for answers was so intense that M.A. Le Medic, the captain of the Mont Blanc, received police protection while the inquiry took place. Right, because he and his entire crew survived. That's quite suspicious, actually. A absolutely. But at the time, they knew to get as far away as they could possibly get and take shelter. Right. The onlookers had no idea what was actually on that ship. Right. Right. Okay. And so one of my sources was I had, I listened to um, another podcast, um, Dark Poutine, which is a Canadian, <laughs> it's a Canadian part podcast, and it's mostly true crime, but they also cover kind of the dark history or, or disasters. And I got to um, write so, that down. That sounds no, awesome. It, it's very good. I think it's right up your alley, Kristen, for sure. <laughs> Lots of blaming. The Halifax explosion is one of the earlier episodes, but they had told a story on there about um, how one of the crew members, once they got ashore um, in the Micmac village, there was one woman holding a baby and one of the crew members didn't have time to say anything, um, but they grabbed the baby knowing that the woman would follow them and just started mm. running. And so running as fast as they could with her infant and they both survived because of it. The woman survived Whoa. because of it. However, they had also mentioned that other than that, the crew didn't, Help what, anybody. didn't warn anybody. They just got just out run. of Dodge. Wow. You would think you, like at least one of you would just say, run. Well, as they were rowing to shore and it was, some of the other boats in the harbor, because they saw with what gusto they were rowing to shore with, they were like, all right, if that's their reaction, we need to, I think we need to get out of here. I don't know what's about to happen, but so there were people that saw that. And there was also a bunch of different languages. One of ship course. was Norwegian. This was a French ship. I think they were yelling, explosion, explosion. Um, but depending on if you're what you're speaking, and there was probably a plethora of different nationalities in the harbor gathering for the war effort they might not have understood ultimately three people took the blame the first was captain le medic of the mont blanc the second was the maritime pilot francis mckee uh so a maritime pilot is the person in charge of guiding vessels through the harbor right. as they they often meet the vessels when they're coming into the harbor and the third was the commander in charge of the harbor at the time, Frederick Wyatt. So they were all, all three were arrested and charged with manslaughter. Oh, geez. Oh, wow. Now, that was a little bit short-lived. Eventually, the charges against the three men were dismissed because there was to be found insufficient evidence to prove, quote, gross, neglige, neglig gross negligence inputting criminal culpability. Right. And, you know, it's different. I was about to compare it to air traffic controllers, but it's quite different. I imagine at that time they didn't necessarily have contact, like vocal contact with the boats. It was a lot of the, you know, the honk once, honk twice. So they didn't really have necessarily the same control. I appreciate that people wanted to blame. No, you did say they were arrested. These three men obviously survived the blast. Mm -hmm. Well, and you wonder too, like, I mean, if it was, I'm assuming that was legal at the time, the way they had it all set up, like, was there negligence in the boat being stocked that way? Or was that, mm. 
I don't think so. I mean, they needed it. They needed yeah. those supplies, uh, you know, overseas for the war. They just needed to be more careful about not hitting things to ignite the 250 tons of airplane fuel. <laughs> well, yeah, if you know what that you have that on your ship. Like, I understand the other guy is like, oh, I've, I've got an empty ship and I'm floating along I, here. I but... don't agree that this is your right away. <laughs> and people are like, you really should. <laughs> like, get your ego out of this because you know you're carrying out like a ticking time bomb here basically mm -hmm. yeah so i don't know the fact that people in the harbor didn't know that the ship was carrying all this stuff i don't know if they would have otherwise looking back been like oh we should put more warnings out of yeah sound the alarm or something that's so scary because it's just there's nothing any of those people could have done the, like the people just living their lives yeah. yeah how do you prepare for something like that yeah you don't so salt on the wound i believe that night as people were Gather, like just trying to do everything that they could to um, salvage people and buildings and anything they could to help a snowstorm blew in and Halifax got 41 centimeters of snow oh no it was not a good day <laughs> that's pretty much the Halifax explosion in a in a nutshell I do have one really interesting fact uh, Viola Davis who mm -hmm. is the first woman on, other than the queen on our Canadian money was uh it was a child at the time and close enough to the Halifax explosion that she was knocked out of her high chair. Whoa. Oh. Pretty cool, hey? Wow. She has a storied life. My goodness. Very much. And that is the Halifax explosion of December 6th, 1917. You know, just to kind of bookend it for those who don't know, like the Canadian government puts out these little story ads that are kind of Canadian history moments. Uh, anyway, I clearly kind of remembered this one did not remember it correctly obviously but that is fascinating and as an adult I certainly appreciate it much more than I did watching it as a kid you know when I was probably just waiting for Rugrats to turn back on <laughs> I feel the exact same way Julie yeah. I, I gotta watch the basketball one now. We can't keep climbing up to get the ball out of the basket. <laughs> then why don't you just cut a hole in the bottom of the basket? <laughs> and then they're able to poke the basketball with the broomstick. Changed everything. <laughs> I knew you could help with that, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fascinating. And thank you. Um, devastating, though. So uh, I could definitely use some good news, Kristen. Well, speaking of the Mont Blanc, I'm also going to take a hard left. Hard right. Oh, nice. That's no, good. that's not very good. Please cut that. <laughs> My good news story is um, completely different. We were all, I think, pretty much so many things have kind of gone wrong during the pandemic, as any of us can say. Um, and a lot of relationships, I think maybe people having to spend too much time together, a lot of relationships have ended. Amen. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, Whether... just, I was at a divorce party last night. Oh, really? <laughs> Hilarious. Yes. So there you go. Amen. Exactly. Um, but about it was actually about five years ago that uh, Ben Stiller and Christine Taylor announced that they were separating. Oh. So we all know, know who Ben that. Stiller is. I didn't know that yeah. either. The I things, really liked but... them as a couple. Yeah. I know. Well, this is, you're going to be so thrilled by the end of the story. <laughs> um, so for the, anyone, I mean, I think probably in general, most people know who Ben Stiller is and probably the couple, but they were in a few movies together like um, 
Zoolander and Dodgeball. Dodgeball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they actually met on the show, on a TV show, the pilot for a sci-fi show called Heat, Vision, and Jack. But the reason that you probably have never heard of that is because it did not get turned into a series. But that is where they met. And then, of course, they did a couple of these movies together. But yeah, unfortunately, in 2017, they announced their separation. Um, but they had actually been married in Kauai, Hawaii, 17 years before that. So they were actually married for 17 years. And so we are all very sad that they announced their separation. But at the beginning of the pandemic, they decided to move back in together so that they could both um, raise their or be around their children because it was going to make things a lot easier. Right. Mm -hmm. And they have two children, a daughter, Ella, and a son, Quinlan. Mm. And it was through that time that they actually got back together. Amazing. Yeah. So then, um, so per Ben Stiller. Then over the course of time, it evolved. We were separated and got back together, and we're really happy about that. It's been really wonderful for all of us. Unexpected and one of the things that came out of the pandemic. So, you know, as you reflect on all the sad things that have ended due to other social types of things that have happened during the pandemic, uh, we can all be a little bit... The other thing that's nice is that he's 56 and she's 50. You know, they're a nice couple that uh, are around the same age, (laughs) got back together in Hollywood... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would call that a success. And that's it made me win. happy to see that they got back together. Yeah, yeah. I really like yeah. them both. Yeah. 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 That's a great news story. Indeed. Yeah, I thought so. Great. <laughs> Something nice and light. I love it. Well, did you find what you were looking for? 